Welcome back to Cautiously Optimistic, episode 99. Wow, we are very close to the end, but we have plenty left in store for you today. I'm Nick Osteller. I'm Jesse Rommel. I'm Sully Engels. It's the penultimate episode. I'm waiting 98 episodes to get to say that word, so it's pretty cool. And it's a big one on top of that. Jesse Brummel, happy birthday, buddy. How's it feel? Thanks, man. Feels, uh feels like I did yesterday, essentially. Um, you know, it's, you know, we're getting up there, so I'm, I'm trying not to think about the number at this point, um, you know, and it's just like, you know, we're just celebrating another year of life without focusing on what the number is, you know. I'm, I'm uh, 22 for the, you know, however many time. You, you were mentioning, you know, you didn't focus on the number, but yesterday we focused heavy on That the is number. true. Uh, in, in our group text, you know, what is it, the Kemp year, and then Sully, you know, you had some big options there. Vlad Guerrero, Jordan Hill, Kevin Brown, Mike Trout, Scott Rowland, one of our favorites, Fred the Crime Dog McGriff. Yeah, I mean, and and I forgot to to tweet out, you know, the the year that I was going to go with, the player I was going to go with for my year, and, um, you know, I'll I'll make the announcement here, you know, uh, belated. I want to go ahead and say it's it's going to be the Fred McGriff year. You know, I was I was going between that and uh, Vlad because I did love Vlad, you know, growing up. But, you know, he was an angel. You know, I could focus on the Expos years, you know, and be fine. But him mainly being an angel in my eyes, uh, you know, I don't really mess with the angels anymore. So, you know, we have to go with the boy Fred McGriff. My favorite Fred McGriff thing is the fact that uh, I'm not sure how he did it. But when he played, he just placed his cap on his head. You know, it wasn't actually put on, or at least it looked like it. But it, it looked as it looked as if he just placed it on top of his head, and it never moved. I don't know how he did it. So shout out Fred McGriff for that. Yeah, the, the crime dog, one of the best nicknames in the game too. And the beautiful thing about this is, you know, he wore twenty seven, really like four or five seasons, but he also wore twenty eight and twenty nine. So you could really just make this a three year span. Wow, roll into the thirties as consecutive crime dog years. That that's actually a, a, another great fact that I did not know about uh, our good friend Fred McGriff, the crime dog, uh, and I might have to take advantage of that. You know, twenty eight, twenty nine, like you know, Beltray maybe for twenty nine, twenty eight. You know, uh, nothing popping off the top of my head besides like Adrian Peterson, but he doesn't mm-hmm. even wear that for for my team where it's twenty six. Um, no. You know, so it's I might just have to do three straight crime dog years. The options are endless. Um, this is episode 99, and we, we luckily do have some names for this episode as well. You know, Hyunjin Ryu is number 99. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laker legend George Mikan from back in the day, Minneapolis Lakers. And I know, Sully, you, um, you have some connections to Minnesota, so that, that one might be good for you. You also mentioned some of your connections to 27 in Minnesota. You know, the Justin Morneau, uh, David, um, David Ortiz in Minnesota as well. Yeah, it's a, there's a lot of Minnesota in 27 for some reason. Um, in 99 on top of that. George Mikan. My dad used to always tell me about George Mikan because, you know, people from Minnesota, like, know everyone from Minnesota, basically, who are pro athletes, and they kind of rep for him. And so um, I even had some kind of, like, family connection, which it kind of shows you how old my dad is. Sorry, Pops. But uh, <laughs> And then just all the other 27 sort of twins history like that, you know, obviously, if you're going to be a good first baseman, you got to start as 27, Morneau, Ortiz, both cases is that. All the best Minnesota first baseman is Doug Mankiewicz. And he rocked thirteen, which is almost half. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd say I could. We can go there with you. I remember uh, many a time, you know, going to. I remember the Disneyland 
uh, we went to we went to Disney. Me, you, and I think I believe it was Matt or Joe or maybe both. Maybe Albert was in there as well. But uh, uh, you know, you were wearing that Dougie Mankiewicz jersey and uh, or the or the jersey. I think it actually was. I can't remember so, which one. And it, that was the the benefit of me being so round as a youth. Is that <laughs> now I that shirt still fits me. It's just now it's like the opposite direction. Oh, yeah. that's that's a that's a beautiful thing. But my favorite part was like walking around Disneyland and having people try and pronounce the name. <laughs> Uh, on on your back, while you know people aren't smooth, we could hear him behind us trying to pronounce it, and it's that's always a beautiful thing. Yeah, I believe that was a Jersey Day altogether. If you're not, you were in some type of Washington jersey. I know someone had a Favre jersey on. So so Matt Grace must have been there. I think Maddie had the had the the Favre. I had a Clinton Portis that day. Yeah, it was a, a great that's Jersey six Day. Flags, Disneyland. Six Flags. Six Flags. You're right. It was Six Flags. We couldn't afford Disneyland. What were we talking that about? That was a day, guys. You know. Yeah, if you know me, I'm terrible with heights, and I don't really like extreme things. And my friends in seventh or eighth grade, whatever, convinced me that the roller coaster X was a warm up ride, mm. and then four loops backwards to start the day. Yeah, we did do X first. I, I actually do clearly remember that we we got into the park and we were like, well, we should probably just do X first, get that out of the way, you know, get it get it going, get the day started. And uh, yeah, we, you know, we had a great time. That was that might have been for Joe's birthday too, and that's coming up in a couple months. But that's just also in the, in the birthday theme of things. So that's true. Yeah, a lot of birthdays. And, and before we even get to Joe's birthday, uh, we got your birthday coming up at the end of the month as well, May 29th. So let's go. I know I'm fired up for it. It's it's going to be a big one. You know, getting a year older, probably not a year wiser, but either way, we're we're marching forward. Yeah, and Jesse, uh, before we get off the birthday theme, we saw on your Instagram story uh, at the station last night a, a whole platter of Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. We were talking a little bit about it off air, but uh, would you like to explain what the station did for you um, in terms of your birthday and you know, what they know, how you like the fast food flavor? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I was, I was telling them off the air, first of all, it was, uh, you know, I had, uh, well, first I had Lucky Boy for lunch, as one does, you know, how to sponsor this, uh, sponsor our show, and they sponsor my life. So I uh, had a little breakfast burrito for lunch, and then... Uh, <clears throat> And then for dinner, you know, I was like, you know, I got to knock out some Taco Bell. So I went to Taco Bell, then pulled up to the station, and then about just a couple hours after that, you know, they come up to me and they said, all right, well, what do you want from Taco Bell? We're going to go to Taco Bell for your birthday. And, you know, I thought about it, and I was like, ah, what, I'm going to Taco Bell for, for dinner. I probably shouldn't. And then I said, what am I thinking? And I said, give me a beefy Frito burrito, some Cinnabon Delights, and a large Baja Blast. Everybody at the station went large Baja Blast in honor of me, and I couldn't have appreciated it more. You know, Taco Bell parties are the best kind of parties. <laughs> yeah, you just can't, can't deny that. I mean, that's just, when you think swine, you think T-Bell, it's got to happen on the birthday. It's an absolute, and I double down on that, which is almost a tribute to one of the greatest KFC menu mm-hmm. items to double down. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'd argue, just, I'd argue that's, that's possibly, possibly that's right there. the best uh, KFC menu item, I'd argue, is, is the double down. That, that was one of the most incredible moments in, in fast food history. I mean, just think about what it took. You know, Maryland's like, oh, America's fat, this and that. And we're always kind of like, no, you know, you'll have some unhealthy options. And then KFC's like, no, we're fat. We have a double fried chicken sandwich <laughs> with no just chicken and bacon and sauce. Man, yeah. I mean, I, I've been waiting for so long for KFC to bring back the double down. And I, I'm, I'm starting to think they might not legally be able to because of health codes. Um, <laughs> but I really hope that someday they do because I miss the double down. Yeah, everyone does. Well, what we've missed is the mailbag, and it was open for the last couple of days. wasn't too active, but we got some really great, great questions. Besides, maybe the first one we're going to get to, uh, and and just kind of dive into that. We'll open up it again for the last episode. You know, it's all about the people. 
you'll have excuse me a little more time to get that one going. But let's start it off with, uh, unfortunately, the enemy of the podcast, Josh Chamberlain on Instagram. I'm not going to agree to his handle. I'm not trying to help him out with any followers. But he wants to know, when am I on? Um, guys, See, I'll let you handle the beginning of this answer. Yeah, yeah. The thing about Josh is, you know, like, he doesn't understand how to do things. He didn't ease himself in. You know, hey, guys, big fan, you know, or, uh, you know, first time, long time, you know, none, none of that. Uh, none of the Dan Patrick, you know, saying the height and weight. You know, he just hops right in and says, when am I on? You know, and, and to answer that, I couldn't tell you. You know, we got one episode after this. I can confirm that he's not on this podcast uh, tonight. Uh, and, you know, I've, since there's one left, I'm just going to say I don't know when because uh, who knows if he's going to make it onto this last podcast, uh, episode 100. I hope he doesn't, but, you know, I, you know that's, that's all I can really give him. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think we really have a straight answer there. Um, we'll just have to find out. You know, he has been clamoring for the past two and a half years, however long mm-hmm. we've been doing, cautiously optimistic. So um, it's one left. You know, we've kept him off probably for a good reason. Uh, no, for absolutely for a good reason. I, I, I'm not sure. Um, it seems like the the hatred runs a little deeper between you two uh, and and Josh. Uh, I'm more indifferent, but I, I go along with what we decide here at Cautiously Optimistic. So and and on that note, Nick, uh, you know he he uh, Josh uh, actually put up a poll on his Instagram saying should they let me on Cautiously Optimistic, uh, and he told me he he confided in me the the fact that. You know, obviously, me and Sully both voted no. Oh. Uh, Nick uh, did not uh, go with uh, the podcast as he just said he would. He voted yes on that poll, and uh, I was a little, I was a little <laughs> surprised by that. Wow. Um, but uh, you know, the the actual the vote turned out as a yes on his Instagram, but it wasn't on ours. So you know, uh, that that says one thing. And you know, actually, another point is we made a bet with Josh. We said we would let him on the podcast. If he beats all three of us in a shooting competition, and he hasn't done that yet, so uh, the time is running short for him to go ahead and beat us in a shooting competition and get on the podcast. He hasn't even tried to set that up, let alone you know get it going. And Nick, do you want to explain yourself why you uh, voted that way? Yeah, uh, I guess now that it's out in the open, I should explain myself. Um, you know, I, I just. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, I've never really uh, understood the the vitriol that you have for him. Um, you know, Josh. From my interactions with him, it seems like a an, an okay guy, and I don't have disagree. Any issues, I don't have any issues with him. Uh, disagree. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you know, it's on his Instagram. I didn't think it was going to become public, so I clicked yes. And obviously, I did. I do stand by my statement that I go with what the podcast wants. I'll never be able to, you know lead any decision with Josh because it's two against one all the time, you two and then me. So I was okay to, you know, vote yes on that. But uh, now, you know, it's a little disconcerting that it's now uh, been presented to you two. I didn't think you would ever find out. Oh, well, see, this is the thing is, you know, uh, I, unfortunately, I'm not allowed to call myself this anymore, but I, I one time was called the Oracle. Um, wow. And, and you know, that just means that I know all, you know, and, and uh, this was bound to come out. And I think you should have <laughs> known that. True that. All right. Well, yeah, Josh, sorry. We'll let you know. Uh, not looking likely with one episode to go, but we will see. Next one up in the mailbag uh, from a friend of the pod and a father of the pod, technically, on Twitter, Bill BBP, but it's also Jesse's father, the man himself. And he wants to know which one of you has the coolest dad? 
And uh, Jesse, do you want to start with this? Yeah, no, I think I should start by this because this is, uh, you know, my dad that came in and asked this question. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, I, I think you guys can both agree with me when I say it's obviously me. You know, love both of your dads. You know, just was here and, and saw uh, Nick's dad. Uh, gonna see Soul. I'm gonna see your dad soon, I'm sure, um, once you're back here in town. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, facts are facts. And only one of our dads has an eye patch, and that's mine. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I'm, I'm going to call blouses on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you on that. Respectfully disagree. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go with my own father, uh, the man himself, legend Big Bob. Uh, you, you've seen him. You see with the knee up, with a cigar in his mouth, laid back, chilling, maxing and relaxing. Uh, you know, I got nothing but love for Bill. Uh, I would even be fair enough to call it a tie if you wanted to, Jesse. Nick, I don't think I've ever met your father, so I can't include him on that. But, uh, you know, I got I to gotta stand up for my pops for sure. You know, I'm also going to have to respectfully disagree with this. Mm. Um, you know, Sully, we've uh, spent many podcasts at the Silver Lake Studios back in the day. And, you know, uh, your dad was always there, always uh, greeting us and offering words of wisdom, little tidbits in the studio as we started the podcast. Always enjoyed that. Jesse, <clears throat> your dad, uh, as you said, is a legend. I've known him for quite a while. A great guy. I have nothing but love for him. Um, but, you know, my dad, despite, you know, we are, as, as Jesse said, we are in the Altadena studio today. And uh, my dad was just in the building. Uh, he, you know, he wanted to be quiet as he left for work. Um, of course, that's, that's exactly when he dropped change on the floor. I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> I don't even think I heard that, actually. <laughs> but, um, no, he... he uh, does everything in his power not to be cool, but I still think he's very cool. So uh, I'm gonna just have to say it's my dad. But I think I don't think we'll ever agree on this one. Other than that, um, all our dads, uh, I think we can enjoy them all. Yeah, I think this is uh, similar to the conversation we had on episode 96 of who the greatest basketball player of all time is. You know, we're never really gonna agree. You know, we could make as many uh, points and arguments uh, as we can uh, in formal debate code if we needed to. But uh, at the end of the day, I think that we're all gonna come to the same agreement in the sense that, you know, agree to disagree. I will say, though, that the fact that your dad submitted a question to the mailbag is very cool. That's a fact. Um, he also has a uh, Twitter, as does Sully's dad. My dad does not have a Twitter that I know yep. of, unless he has some burner account. But mm, um, KD. Yeah, so uh, yeah. Th- those those are points in, in that direction, but it's never going to uh, top it in my mind. But, uh, yeah, great question. Thank you, Bill, for that. And I guess I can uh, handle this next question. Uh, Yeah, since you you wrote it. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I did not write this question, but it does come from uh, just being a chug on Instagram. That happens to be my dog. Uh, With you know, we've discussed the dog Instagram before, and um, I will say that you know I did not write this question. So my dog somehow was able to log on and uh, submit a question. But uh, the question is, can I be your mascot? Um, Well, so I'll answer this first and say. Nick, no, you cannot be our mascot. You're part of the, you know, podcast. So I don't know if we can, if you're allowed to double dip like that. Um, because we know you wrote this question. This is yep. from your dog Instagram that you run solely you, nobody yep. else. So yep. at the end of the day, you wrote this and it's also a first for the podcast. I think this is the first time any one of us has written in a question on our own, uh, optimistic mailbag segment. Um, so that's, that's all I have to say about this. Yeah, and uh, my answer, you know, for Nick, obviously, is get a life. Stop worrying about your dog's Instagram. <laughs> but to directly to uh, being himself, I would say possibly, and that was a pun. And then from there, oh, I would say man. no, because we only have interns. So you can be an intern being, that's how we work this out. Blueberry was a great intern. 
uh, Kirby was a pretty bad intern. Um, so you can be the third one, I guess. Though I think the only way that we would, I think, I think we should allow uh, Frederick Chuglis to be our mascot is if he goes into the ring with Chuck the Condor, and yep. as long as he takes down Chuck the Condor, Frederick Chuglis, you are you're our mascot. You just have to wow. take down Chuck the Condor in a, in a so no holds barred officially, match. Officially change your name to Frederick Chuglis. That's true. If if the if the Instagram also gets changed to Frederick Chuglis, I would allow that to be our mascot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really argue with those uh, you know qualifiers there. Um, my only thing is, you know, you said it, Sully. The, the internship is where we kind of draw the line here. Uh, we don't really have a mascot. Our, our logo is our mascot. And uh, shout out! I just want to say shout out again to Jesse for back in the day coming up with that logo. I feel like it's time to kind of look back since we're nearing the mm. end, and that logo did very well for us. Um, very simple. There's no animal involved, so there's no mascot. But uh, we had some good interns. Yeah, yeah, Blueberry Kirby. So I'm sorry, Bean. I, I don't know if we can uh, answer your question and give you what you want, but uh, we appreciate the question for sure there. And that, was, that was very meta, just watching Nick talk to himself through Instagram <laughs> and through the podcast and on those. Yeah, that was very weird. Anyway, we'll go to our final question from uh, a, a, originally a friend of Jesse's, but now a friend of all of us. Uh, this comes from... Pablo D. Garnicon on the gram. And this is a sincere question more so. What's next in each other's adventures of life? Anyone want to start that off? Yeah, I'll start. You know, first of all, shout out Pablo, my guy. The last time I saw him, we were actually at, you know, uh, Lucky Boy. Um, so that was that was all okay. all good fun. Um, Pablo's my guy. You know, a- answering that, you know, uh, what's next? That's a great question. You know, we're going to, you know, do some soul searching because when this podcast ends, you know, there's... You know, we need to search some things, you know, and just reevaluate, you know, where we are. It's going to be a little sad. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we keep pushing, um, keep doing what we're doing. Uh, I don't really have any, like, special new plans, at least. So just keep keep living, keep thriving, and keep, uh, you know, follow us all on Twitter because we're going to be banging out that hot sports content. And uh, that's that's what I'm going to say. That's my next adventure is keep, keep saucing out this, this great content. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's great to hear, Jesse. Um, yeah, you said it, you know it's going to be a little bit sad. I think uh, there will be a little more free time, at least on my end, Jesse. I know you don't have to deal with the editing or anything like that. Um, mm, yeah, but, true. <laughs> true. So I'm I'm uh, looking forward to a little more free time, but it will be sad not to have the cautiously optimistic uh, crew together on a weekly, biweekly basis, whatever it is. But um, you know, as I like to say, don't cry because it's over smile because it happened we can look back and uh you you like to say that I, you you came <laughs> up with that one um, literally tunic. i think i've heard i heard it somewhere else i liked mm, it um okay. but you know and it's worth meeting 100 episodes we did a great job we can look back on that with with immense pride we can absolutely we can look back at it <laughs> exactly so um in terms of adventures in life you know we just keep chugging along uh, that's a oh god pun there with uh yeah just being the chug you know spend more time with bean maybe um and just enjoy the summer months coming up uh hopefully get out to some baseball games you know continue to do well at work hopefully all of us do that uh it's just live our lives and into the next chapter whatever it may be hmm. so yeah um, for me I guess uh, you know just have a long cry mm-hmm. it's probably off top but you gotta do I think to kind of deal with this um, from there you know we, we always keep it a hundred so that's where we're gonna end on the hundredth episode I think that kind of we made that clear um, 
beyond that, you know, is there any concrete plans? You know, I do enjoy the podcast game, so we'll see if I get back into one. You know, I don't think I could ever do it with other partners, so that would just be rude to the guys I'm right here with. But um, just uh, continuing the media adventure that we're on, uh, living life to the fullest. Uh, in the words of Nick Osler and Jesse's Instagram bio at one point, live, laugh, love. Um, and so <laughs> we'll just go from there. I don't know. I don't know what else I really got to say about that. I, I, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, I remember this being uh, like when my baseball career on the field came to an end. Uh, even when I was walking off the field the last time, didn't feel like it was over. You know, it took almost to like the next season starting up where I was like, oh, crap, I'm not playing. So I think it's kind of going to be like that. You know, it's going to be like in, in two weeks after it ends, and I'll be like, okay, well, this is usually when we're doing another episode, and there's just not going to be another one. But who knows? We're not, you know, opposed to a reunion tour. We're not opposed to a couple reunion episodes. So we shall see. Oh, this whole time, Nick, this, this won't make it. But this whole time, Nick looked like he was about to say something. So I'm, like, looking at him waiting, and he's like, no, so I'll actually explain myself. I, I was about to say something, um, but I was just kind of thinking back to Sully's beautiful soliloquy there, uh, his beautiful words about how, you know, what, what this means. And I got a little emotional, and I forgot what I was going to say, to be honest. I, I, was, I was thinking, you know, wow, like the comparison, the analogy to baseball, and, you know, this all started on a whim, on, on, a, on a baseball whim, you know, cautiously optimistic uh, was about the Dodgers when they were in that series against the Cubs, and that's how the name was born. And um, what I really was going to say, you know, I, I forget what I was going to say now. Well, wow. well, while you think about it, I just want to say we're not even through two, fully through two segments in the in the podcast, and Nick has already said vitriol and soliloquy, and I didn't. He's he's just getting ready to the end, and he's like, I got to get all these SAT words out. <laughs> um, but you know, that's that's been wild so far. You know I'm a little I, confused. I, I, I remember now. We were, we were, you know, having all these emotional uh, closing of chapters here on this question. Wow, just Pablo, you really, you really opened up the, the floodgates, I guess you could say here. But what I wanted to say is this is not the last episode. We have one more episode, and so it sounds like it's a finality right now, but no, we have one more episode 100, and we expect good things from that episode. I think I, I disagree. I think we expect incredible things yeah. from that episode. Good things is is nothing. We're gonna we're gonna have an amazing time, uh, and hopefully Josh isn't on it. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we- the mailbag will remain open through the end of Cautiously Optimistic episode 100. So continue to get those questions in. These four were wonderful, and we expect uh, similar ones to come flooding in here in the next couple of days as we uh, head towards the finish line here. And with the first pick. In the 2020 NFL Draft, a team has selected Cautiously Optimistic, greatest podcast of all time. But for real, the NFL Draft just wrapped up uh, uh, over a week ago now. But it was an interesting time. Always, uh, this is probably the draft I paid the closest attention to, being having to have covered it. I watched literally every single round uh, through the last pick, so that was fun for me. Um, for our teams. Uh, the ones we root for, how would you feel that they did? Let's start off with Nick, because I'm interested to see if he even knows any of the draft picks for the Rams. <laughs> um, I was paying some attention to the draft, but uh, I didn't really kind of gather the Rams picks in my mind until the draft was complete. Obviously, you have Taylor Rapp, the safety from Washington. Obviously. Who will, uh, you know, they didn't have a, they didn't have a first-round draft pick, so they had to kind of reach here for a few guys here, and they they... They found Taylor Rapp here, I believe, in the third round or 
second round. I don't know what it was, but they got him. Um, he, he'll be able to learn from Eric Weddle. Uh, he seems like a good pick to where they got him at. They actually, they also uh, curiously drafted a running back pretty early, Daryl Henderson, which maybe points to some possible lingering concerns with Todd Gurley's knee. So that's somewhat concerning there. Um, overall, those are the two biggest names that I really uh, paid much attention to. Um, nice. <laughs> I, and I, 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 I just, I was a little curious. Uh, you know, we, we both have our laptops open here, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I, I, I kept seeing him glance down. So I just, I just leaned over just to see. And sure enough, he's on, I believe, the Bleacher Report site uh, analyzing the draft uh, from each team's perspective. And I believe he's on the Rams one. I didn't. It's just a quick glance, but I definitely saw he's on a draft site right now. I am, I am on a draft site. I have my research out with me. I, I'm, I don't have everything you know, in my mind at all times on the podcast. I like to have you know, my research in front of me at times. So for this one, not paying much attention, not having a first-round pick, those are the two biggest names that stuck out to me. Um, I think the draft went okay. I don't really think it went terrible or great, so that's what I have to say. Would you agree with Bleacher Report in the draft grade that I believe is right up on your uh, computer? Um, the grade is a B. Oh, okay. Okay, so yeah, you agree then in that sense. Yeah. Yes. Um, I give the Rams like an A-, minus, but I guess Nick, you know, very, Nick's a very strong critic when he kind of pays attention, so. <laughs> um, Sully, I've, uh, my first question, though, for you was, uh, you know, in the lead into this, you said, you know, you watched every round and you enjoyed that. Did Did you really... Like was oh, the seventh? Yeah, enjoyed that? No, I didn't. I did not. It yeah, was, I think you, I don't really know if enjoyed was the days. word, but you, like you implied that you. Uh, I think it was. You know, I think you said it, like it's exciting or you know that was enjoyable or it, something. like that. I guess that. it was interesting. So for me, it was like you know we were looking out at the station for coverage guys who had played at um, KU and K State, and a lot of them were projected in between the third and seventh round. Mm-hmm. And then of course we had, uh, which became a national story in the last week, Corey Ballantyne, who was the, the D two prospect from here. And, that he was shot at literally six hours after he was drafted and his best friend passed away, which is super, super tragic and has kind of been consuming the community here. But just going back to the draft stuff, um, every, you know, Dalton Reisner was the biggest guy from K-State. He's the highest selected offensive lineman in K-State history. Went 41st overall from the Broncos. And he's from uh, Colorado, which is kind of a fun story there. You know, John Elway was like his hero growing up. So now he plays for him as his GM. And then after him, there was kind of a gap, and then we didn't know exactly when anyone else was going to be taken. And so for us, it was like, you know, we're trying to, you know, win the, if you want to call it a media competition against our competitors, of getting the information out first. So I was the person there on the weekend for sports, um, and, you know, I love my coworkers. None of them are really sports people, though, so it's kind of all on me to do any of that. And obviously it's my department as well for that time being. So I had to be very, like, zoned in the entire time. Um like from the fourth round to the seventh round. And so, I, you know, it was interesting, um, but it wasn't necessarily the most fun. Um, but it ended up only Ballantyne and Reisner and one Kansas State cornerback, Duke Shelley, were drafted. And then everyone else was signed as an undrafted free agent like an hour after the draft. Um, so it was interesting. You know, normally I'm kind of, I'm sure the, you guys are the same where you watch the first round, most of the first round, Nick, the first three picks maybe. Um, <laughs> And then you just kind of go from there. So, and it was also interesting because I'm also concentrating on the Chiefs picks as well. So it was kind of a lot going on for me as I was watching, trying to enjoy, but also working on top of that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I did not tune in for I believe 
uh, was it the day three? I think that's what five through seven. Um, uh, or seven, yeah. So, but I, you know, I watched, I watched all of the first two or three, and then you know, kind of just was tapped into, you know, what what picks uh, Washington was making, and uh, you know, I'll just I'll just take over there as well in the sense that you know I think they had a great draft. Uh, I'm not gonna say they were the best team, but they I think they're a top five in 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 the draft. I think my three favorite picks, obviously Haskins, which I'm getting more and more on board with by the day. I think the big thing that's right now that I love is that Theismann is letting him wear number seven. Um, and as, as Haskins is a Maryland kid, like he's a local kid. So he, he knows the history of the team. Um, he, he loves the team. So he obviously knows who Joe Theismann is and he, he's, he's a respectful kid. And so it's like, at the end of the day, he really wanted to wear seven and he knows what comes with that. He knows the sense like, all right, well, if I'm going to go wear, wear seven and if Theismann lets me wear seven, he has to produce, he has to be a stud. Um, and so I'm hoping that's what he does, and he comes through and he does that. Montez Sweat trading back up into the first round to get him, great pick. And Bryce Love, they drafted him, the, the running back from Stanford. He terrorized me for three, four years, however long he's with Stanford. I hated him because he's so good. Getting him in the fourth round was amazing. That was that was maybe my favorite pick of the draft for for Washington. So um, I thought they did really well. They had a great draft, honestly. And you know, I'm not want to compliment Washington too much, obviously, but. Um, I really like Haskins, and you know, I, we can talk about the Daniel Jones pick if you want for the Giants. I'm sure that fired you up, Jesse, because I don't, I don't know if anyone really understands that besides the Giants organization. And then on top of that, I, I love that Haskins. You know, as soon as they asked him, like, what do you think about being drafted 15, second quarterback, whatever you want to say it was, he was like, well, they made a mistake. The rest of the league made a mistake. I, I appreciate that attitude coming into camp like that. Obviously, he knows that the work's still to be done, but. You want to have that, you know, chip on your shoulder. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and they're they're actually already selling not the official uh, site, but one of the like uh, you know fan blogs. Not even like fan blogs; they like are official bloggers, but like not with affiliated with the team. But they're already selling shirts with Haskins on them, and it says the league done messed up. So yeah, uh, the, that's all fun. And the great part about that is they're actually going to be in the same division now, matched up against each other for plenty of time. In the you know, oh, with Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, yeah, Haskins and Jones, Giants and uh, Redskins. And actually, that uh, comparison was one of my favorite parts of the draft when uh, they're reading out the Daniel Jones pick, and Haskins is uh, just like laughing to himself when the mm-hmm. pick comes out. As in, like, did you take that as kind of like, oh, they they that guy's not good, or wow, why did they pick him over me? Um, I think it was a little bit of both. I think like he he obviously I mean he, he wants to get his draft as high as he could um, Haskins but so does Daniel Jones I think the thing with Daniel Jones and a lot of people were ripping get, uh, with Dave Gettleman the the Giants uh, GM for um, picking or for saying out loud like when the, after he was defending it and he was like I know for sure two teams would have taken him before seventeen and a lot of people were like no one would have done that. There was talks that the that Washington was going to take Daniel Jones at, at 15, especially if Haskins was off the board. But um, even if Haskins was on it, there was a discussion of who they were going to take. So that I actually don't blame them as much for. But uh, when he was off the board, that was great for, for us because, that I mean, I knew that that meant Dwayne was going to fall to us. Yeah, and it was – I think, you know, the, quarterback, the third quarterback that ended up falling a lot farther uh, was Drew Locke from Missouri. and. Around here, you know, we don't. I don't cover Missouri, but the city, the stations in Kansas City do. And a lot of people thought he, and he even thought he was going to be a top twenty pick. So I think he could have also fallen to the Redskins had the Giants taken Has, or yeah, the Giants taken Haskins. Um, but 
They went with Jones, who uh, I think I was watching SVP after the draft, and he said uh, he had watched. He thought he had watched more Duke games than just about anyone in the nation because he ended up betting on them so much. <laughs> and at no point throughout the entire season did he ever think that Daniel Jones qualified as a top ten pick, let alone the first quarterback picked in this draft class. Um, so I don't. I don't understand it. I mean, I, I, it's weird to me, but uh, that's Giants football for you. Um, and on top of that, one other thing just on Drew Locke I started off with, he had a, a funny quote, I thought. They asked him if he had a, a bigger chip on his shoulder now that he hadn't been drafted so early or as early as he thought he would. And he said, yep, it's pretty much like a whole Pringles can on my on my shoulder now. <laughs> That's yeah, that's cute. That's a that's a cute little quote from him. Uh, I mean, Drew Lock is good. I think Drew Lock's better than Daniel Jones too. But you know, uh, we'll see. We'll see how he pans out too. Actually, excuse me, I misquoted him. He said a full bottle of Pringles, which is I don't know who, who would say that, but he did. That's uh, uh, weird. Now you know that was first. It was cute. Now it was weird. Now it's weird. It's a full Pringles bottle. Yeah, that's what serial killers would refer to it as a bottle. Yeah, yeah, that was that. Yeah, now I'm a little worried about what his future is in the NFL, and then even past the NFL. Has the CTE already got to him? Is the question? No, yeah, no one really knows. I mean, that's only we'll have to wait and see and find out. Last thing I'll add, just uh, for the draft stuff, I'm on my Vikings. Um, saw a little draft for them. Uh, you know, the offensive lineman early was great. I think he's going to be. Uh, Garrett Bradbury just looked like one of the best prospects, just a well-rounded overall, um, can plug up the middle of the hole there. and uh, They just kind of plugged in Irv Smith, the Titan from Tennessee. They kind of um, may spell the end of the run for Kyle Rudolph, a guy I've loved for a long time, and that's how it goes. Alexander Madison, a running back from Boise State, and just kind of dashed to that position, backing up Dalvin Cook more so than anything. And then um, a USC guy, Jesse texted me about this, Cameron Smith. Uh, you know, they call him a straight-line runner, Uh and the Vikings seem to always have one of these guys on their team. You know, for a long time, it was Chad Greenway. They've always had a, just a, a large white linebacker. Uh, and so this is good to, to make sure that we have that continued. Yeah, I, yeah, like, like you said, I shot you a text right after they made the pick. Um, Cam Smith, I didn't. I, I thought he was good. I figured he'd be, you know, fourth round, something like that. Uh, I believe he was in the fifth. Um, yep. But I thought he could have went. At, like, I think, I think talent-wise – I think he's good enough to be. He, he was good enough to be in the second round. Like that dude is a stud. Um, I, like I said, I, I like I texted Sol. He said I think that I said that I think he's like Luke Keekley, and Luke Keekley was taken like tenth overall in his year, and obviously was, is an incredible you know linebacker for the Panthers. But uh, he he plays fast. He cut thirty pounds going into his last year, his senior season, um, became even faster, and he was able to move better laterally. And I think the dude's a stud. He's a tackle machine, so he's going to fit in with Minnesota. He was 270 pounds. This year? No, he's at the, going to the combine, he was 6'2", 238. So oh. he lost 30 pounds. Yeah, he probably he's he was at 270. He lost he lost he might have gained some of it back after uh, if okay. that was where he locked, locked in in the combine. I think he was uh, yeah, but like, he was like 220 in his in his senior season, something like that. But I, get um, what I'm I mean, he was he was a, he's a beast, and then he was always huge, and then he cut and got faster. So uh, yeah, yeah, dude's Last- a monster. Last note on him, he ran a four six nine forty, so that kind of tells you the only thing you need to know. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. And then just uh, quickly, one last thing on the draft. You know, obviously, people, are, some people out there are saying that the Dolphins got the biggest steal by getting Josh Rosen uh, in the trade with the Cardinals. Obviously, Kyler Murray goes number one. Josh Rosen is no longer needed in Arizona. He goes out to Miami. 
sends what I thought was a pretty corny video on Twitter, you know, saying, oh, if you need an apartment, Kyler, let me, let, here you go if you want it, and uh, going to the Dolphins. Do you guys think uh, he can excel in Miami? He's a good quarterback, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I was very mixed on that video, too. Like, I, he didn't say anything wrong. Like, it just felt, like, forced. It didn't look like it was sincere, and it was like looked like he was almost reading a script or something like that. Um, but if he meant it, then it was a good video, but I don't think he did. That's just, you know, assumptions. But I don't know. I mean, I think the Dolphins are trying to tank anyway, so it's like maybe they're not now now that they got their quarterback, but uh, I'm, I'm not super sold on him. I man, I like Rosen. Yeah, I think he gets a lot of flack for you know being outspoken uh, more so than or outspoken in a way that most pro athletes aren't. And I think for him, he is a good quarterback. You know, he's behind with like a bottom five offensive line last year. Yeah, which is another thing for Kyler Murray coming in. I don't understand how they think that's just going to you know be instantly fixed when you bring in a quarterback that's five ten five eleven. And it's going to have to scramble everywhere against, uh, you know, NFL size and speed defenders. I don't understand how that's going to work off top. But Rosen, I think, given, you know, the right system, right opportunity, can be successful. And Miami isn't, you know, they're always just kind of in the middle of the pack. They never haven't been able to separate themselves as of late. And maybe, uh, you know, I, I don't know if Tannehill was ever the guy. You know, they had Cutler for a, Cutler for a year. And, mm. um Maybe he's the answer there. I don't know. I, I wish him nothing but success. I know he's a brew and Justin, you don't have a ton of love for him in that sense, but um, I don't have, really have a dog in that race, so I'd like to see him do well. I, I think that everyone in that draft class just makes it look better from the year prior. Fight on. Now let's check in on the NBA playoffs. We are now in the second round. Uh, a few games have happened, but... What I enjoy most about this round so far is that there are three 1-1 series ties, which means these series should get interesting. The only one that's 2-0 is Warriors over Rockets, which I thought was going to be the most interesting, so that's kind of a bummer to see. Um, We can go through these series, offer our predictions, what we think of them so far. Um, I'll start it off. For me, you know, the Warriors-Rockets, I guess the only storyline out of that series is the whining in Game 1. There wasn't really much whining in Game 2. But at this point, the Rockets just need to play better to win. Um, you know, they're down 2-0. They sh- I really thought they were going to steal one in Oracle, and they didn't. So um, I think this might be kind of like the NBA Finals, two of the best teams in the league, and it's a bummer to see that a 2-0 series lead start off so far. But what do you guys think uh, of this series so far? Well, first of all, this is what the people come to Kostya Optimistic for, just the, the hot content. Nick said the, the losing team needs to play better to win, uh, you know, at the end of the day. <laughs> That's that's what they come for, uh, but I mean, you know, that's that's what it is. I don't think the, the Rockets just don't look like. I mean, the games have been close, but it it feels like the Warriors are just better and they're just playing better. And I mean, maybe they say the series it's not a series till the home team loses, but um, this feels like a five game series to me. Like I don't I don't know if if the Rockets I don't think the Rockets have it in them. Um, they're just not playing as well. James Harden doesn't look as good. He's relying way too much on getting to the line, I feel like, more than yours normally does. And, you know, when you got Scott Foster in there and you got the, now all the refs are in the, you know, they're in the limelight. They're the ones that people are looking at. They're going to get scrutinized. So they're going to make better calls on it, I think. I think their refs are going to be better. 
Um, so I don't know. I just I don't see the the Rockets doing this. That's kind of what I meant though when I said they need to play better to win rather than rely on the refs. You know, James Harden has relied on getting called into the free throw line throughout the majority of the season. But when you have a guy like Kevin Durant on the other team who's kind of been woken up by this series and kind of proving himself as the best player in the league, it looks like right now. Uh, this is what I meant by play better to win is like they need to actually like game plan a way to score differently than just getting calls. You know what I mean? Because that's what they've relied on. But that's also part of James Harden's game. You know, he gets to the free throw line as much as anyone in the league, and he relies on that to score so much. You know that <clears throat> the game he had against uh, what was it Utah when he went like over fifteen or one fifteen in his first you know three quarters of the game, he still had sixteen points at that time because he got to the line so much. So it's it's part of the style of play for Harden especially, but yeah, I mean it even goes back to like last year. You know, they submitted that uh, you know formal complaint or whatever it was about Game Seven of last season, and that was a game where they missed twenty seven three pointers. I mean, it's crazy uh, the disconnect sometimes you see there. But I'm with you guys. I don't think they have a, ch- a chance of coming back. They haven't played well enough. They don't look strong enough. And it's weird because you know uh, as good as that starting five is for the Warriors their bench is not as good as it has been in the past four seasons um but you know Kevin Durant and the rest of the crew there uh Clay Thompson Steph Curry Draymond Andre Godala is just good enough to will them to victory pretty much any night so we all think this is Warriors advancing yeah I just think Warriors and I'll go six just because I got some hope I don't know I'm gonna say five, just to just to say a little something different, but you know, five or six for sure. I'm actually gonna give the Rockets a little credit. I think they're gonna come back and win two at home, and this is gonna go seven. But obviously, the Warriors are gonna win an Oracle in Game Seven. I just thought for the War- for the Rockets to have a chance in the series, they needed to steal one of these first two games. Um, so it doesn't look like it's gonna happen. And last thing on the Harden foul note, you know, Harden typically struggles in the playoffs as we as we've seen, and he's kind of been, you know, this has become a storyline in, in a way. And I think part of it has to do with you know, fouls just aren't called as much in the playoffs, and so that's def- definitely goes against the Rockets' game plan. So, which which is why I think they might not ever be successful in the playoffs. Obviously, missing 20 th- 27 threes is another reason for that. But yeah, Warriors in this series, and then over to the Eastern Conference, we have Sixers Raptors. Uh, that series one one in the in the first game, Kawhi went off for forty five points. Uh, Joel Embiid was held to sixteen. Uh, the, f- the script was flipped in game two. Uh, the Sixers came out with a better game plan, and they were able to take that game, which I thought was very important for them because I thought the Raptors were going to run away with the series after game one. But heading back to Philly, tied. What do you guys make of this series? Well, that's one thing that we you know you know I don't blame anybody for doing overreacting after game one of a series. It's not like I did that about the Nets this year, but um, <laughs> you know at the end of the day, I know I I do think the Raptors are going to take it though. I think that the reason they won game two was a you know a grown man performance as um brett brown would say from jimmy butler or james butler as he would like to have called him um so i think that they're not going to get that you know he played you know 42 minutes it was like a throwback to you know the thibodeau days so but but that's not going to happen every game and obviously it doesn't need to because they have someone like Embiid. but you know the way that ben simmons game works it just doesn't translate as well to the playoffs we've talked about that before um and with Joel Embiid having bubble guts it's just going to be tough for them to really overcome that and for Jimmy to have those kind of games four times I I don't see it happening and Kawhi's just looking incredible so uh yeah I got Toronto yeah I got Toronto on this one too um they just look so good I, you know I think it's a really deep team um, Siakam playing really well mm-hmm. on top of that really emerged this entire season. Marcus Saul underrated guarding Embiid. You know, obviously uh, Embiid's going to get his to a certain degree, but he's been really good. And Butler, 
Um, you know, he is what they traded for and, and what they signed up for, but I just think the Raptors are, are a better team. And I think that DeRozan trade was very even. I think it helped both teams to a certain degree. Obviously, you know, the situation with Kawhi and San Antonio wasn't ideal, uh, but Toronto is looking better than they have been in the past five years, I think. Yeah, they're looking really good. Of course, they have the troubled history of playoff failure, but that happened with LeBron in the conference. Right now, Kawhi looks like possibly the best player in the conference. Obviously, Joel Embiid may have something to say about that, and that mantle or that discussion may be you know, flip-flopped here in the next few games. Uh, this is a tough series for me to call just because I really like the Raptors and what they've built here, but at the same time, they have that you know lingering uh, failure mentality in the background. Um, whether or not Kawhi can you know, break through that remains to be seen. But that game two loss really bothered me because I thought they were going to take this first uh, for for a team that needs to like have playoff wins and you know statement wins and emotional wins. Like you need to take those first two games at home. I feel like so for them not to be able to do that kind of threw a red flag. Now they're going back to Philly and the Sixers take game three and you know taking control of the series with Joel Embiid and you know Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, a pretty quality team. It's going to I don't know. It's going to make me very worried so right now i'm still gonna take the raptors but i'm gonna say raptors in seven um, all right in se- yeah, I, feel like, I mean hey you know there was a lot of there was a lot of flip-flopping i feel like i, I still think you don't even know who you want to pick but i don't yeah I don't. we'll we'll flip it over to uh to celtics bucks keep it in the conference and uh you know you had the celtics taking game one and then the bucks obviously uh, going on a huge run late in uh, game two taking that winning that by um, you know i think it was 20 20 something like that um and uh i'll, I'll start i'm just gonna say that i i have the bucks uh handling business and still taking the series and um i think at the end of the day the bucks won this series not at not when they won this game this game two they won the series the second that Paul Pierce said it was over and the Celtics had it. You know, right when Paul Pierce was like, nope, Celtics got it, it's over, I was like, oh, that's good to know, it is over. Now the Bucks have it. You know, anything Paul Pierce says, you probably want to go the opposite way. I, the Bucks were my pick to make it to the finals, so I'm going to stick with that. Obviously, the game one loss was very uh, disappointing and kind of surprising, but I was happy to see the Bucks and Coach Bud really make those adjustments in game two and they went on a 28 to two run in that game to win by you know a comfortable margin. So I think they had kind of figured out what the Celtics were trying to do in that first game, and I think they'll carry that into Boston. I don't think it really matters where the games are. I think the Bucks are the better team, and they're going to show that. Um, I'm, I actually might take the Bucks in five, maybe six, but yeah, I'll take the Bucks in this in this one. Yeah, I'm, you know, obviously that 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 gut check in the first game for the Bucks, I think is going to help them going forward kind of rejuvenize, re-energize that whole team. And I think Giannis is on a mission. Uh, I'm I'm expecting them to still see them in the finals. I got the butts. Yep. And then the last series, back to the Western Conference. Very interesting series. Uh, Nuggets and Blazers. Obviously, Blazers coming into the series on a high uh, they had they had a you know a pretty long break between the first series and this fir- this next series uh dame lillard uh hitting the game winner of course they lose game one in denver after denver gets by san antonio in seven games uh portland comes back a well-balanced effort damian lillard only had 14 points in their game to win now they're going back to portland um I don't know. I, I think the first round for the denver series showed me that uh that team is kind of like a paper tiger. They don't really have what it takes in the playoffs. They barely made it past the seven seed, and now they already lost at home in the next round in the first two games. 
Uh, I like Portland. I like. I think they have you know the closer, like the killer mentality with Damian Lillard. Jokic might be the best player in the series, but he's not really like a fourth quarter killer type of attitude, type mentality that you wouldn't want in the playoffs. Plus, you have CJ McCollum. Um, I just I just like Portland and their uh, their backcourt there to take the series. I the, I have the opposite reaction to the Nuggets first round series. I thought that that was impressive. You know, the Spurs taking game one and then the fact that they fought back and were able to beat. You know, obviously it's not the best Spurs team they've ever had, but it's still the Spurs and it's still Pop and you know DeRozan and you got uh, Lamar Aldridge. It's, it's not a bad team there. Um, yeah, they were the seventh seed, but they're you know I don't the Spurs have done many times just gotten in the playoffs and then gone from there kind of that warriors mentality obviously not these spurs but again it's pop and to be able to fight back and you know kind of battle and you know win a game seven against greg popovich that's that was impressive to me but i i, I mean i i like the blazers a lot even without yeah. eric um i'm going lillard mccollum I'm, I'm i'm gonna go with lillard this whole series yeah i mean after the shot last round in that series against the thunder i don't know how you can't just ride with dame right now for these playoffs especially after game two when he didn't have his best game and the blazers still won on the road that's uh, very telling i think that this is more than just a dame and cj team this is a, a little bit more well-rounded and if they had nurkic they would be man they, they i feel like they could almost give the warriors a run for their money the way they're playing right now yeah you, what do you guys think is going to make it to six or seven or is this a five game series I think it's six. I think six, seven. I think I, I'm leaning more towards seven, but um, I hope six. Yeah, I think six. I think the I think Lillard will close it out at home once again in front of the home fans and kind of continue this playoff run, this playoff run of glory that we'll see where it ends. But uh, yeah, so that's the kind of the playoff check-in round two. Um, one other note in the NBA. Old man Vince Carter announces he will be returning for a 22nd season, uh, which is just amazing. This guy's still dunking out there, still playing pretty good basketball for, I think he's 41 now or something like that. But I'm very happy to see Vince Carter remaining in the NBA. I saw something that said he's he's the, he's going to be the first player uh, to play in four different decades. Wow. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I think he may be the longest tenured NBA player ever. I'm, I'm just looking it up right now. Robert Parrish and Kevin Garnett played 21 seasons. Uh, but this is going to be 22 for insanity. So that's, I mean, it just speaks to longevity. And a lot of times those high flyers, guys who, uh, you know, pride themselves and make a career out of jumping out the gym, don't stick around as long. Um, and it's, as always, the point I've gotten back to was like, you know, Vince and Kobe were both superstars. Kobe could never do what Vince has done the last five years in the sense of like coming off the bench being a role player, being a veteran leader, being a uh, someone that is helping the youth of the league. Um, Kobe does that in his own way, you know, the offseason training, things like that. But Vince, uh, it just loves being around the NBA and being part of the team and all the things like that. And that's what's made his career last so long. And as you said, four different decades, that's insane. Yeah, he knows his role. And actually, the half-man, half-amazing nickname, I think, fits even better now just because, like you said, four decades and 22 years in the league, a league that is really meant for young people, you know, younger dudes. And this guy is a perimeter player, too. So he's not like some lumbering big guy who can just stand in the paint and, you know, kind of rely on skill and touch. This guy is having to guard wings and having to drive and shoot and do all the things that it's really hard to do at this age. So uh, very happy to see that. This episode of Cautiously Optimistic is brought to you by our dear, dear friends at Lucky Boy Restaurant in Pasadena. You know where it is. It's on Arroyo Parkway. They have the patio. They have the indoors. They're open lots of times, lots of hours. They also cater. 
Yeah, lots of times, lots of hours. That is correct, Nick. And when we're talking about those times and hours, their catering hours are Monday through Sunday. That's right, seven days a week from 6.30 a.m. bright and early in the morning to 7 p.m. Uh, they deliver catering orders that exceed $300, but there's no minimum to go pick that thing up, baby. Oh, you know this, and you can always text or call Christina Karagias, the lucky girl from episode 62. Hit her line, 626-437-3167. Once again, that's 626-437-3167. They got a dedicated Facebook page, at Lucky Boy Pasadena on Twitter, at Lucky underscore Boy underscore Restaurants on IG. In the words of Nick Hostler, this is a restaurant that serves food. In my mind, the two hottest things in the world are swine flu playoff takes and Cody Bellinger at the dish right now. Cody, for the first month of the season, hitting 430. 14 home runs, if I'm not mistaken, and 37 RBIs. Some guys don't get 37 RBIs in an entire season. He's done it in a month. Only two players besides him have ever hit at a clip like that, one of them being Babe Ruth. So quite a start for the year. I don't expect him to dip below that 430 mark. I think this is going to be a season-long thing, guys. What are you feeling about it? You know what? I completely agree with you, Sol. And if anything, you know, we're talking about dipping below that 430 mark. I think it's only going to rise. At the end of the day, I think Cody finishes the year around 450, that area. Um, he's just that hot, uh, not only with the bat, but in the face as well. So uh, Cody, Cody's really going to – he's not stopping. Yeah, I think it has to do a little bit with that beard he's grown here in the mm. first month of the season. Really liking that, you know, no longer the young kid Cody. He is now becoming a man with the beard, and it's giving him some powers it looks like as well. Uh, you know, in all seriousness, batting 430 after the first month is ridiculous, and I don't think we fully appreciate it because we see it every day, but this is an incredible performance, and I'm hoping he keeps it up. I'm hoping he continues his MVP caliber pace. Um, there was a little bit of talk, you know, Christian Yelich in the beginning of the season uh, as, like, you know, hitting all those home runs, even though they all came at home in that hitter's park. But Cody has really kind of emerged here. He was always there alongside Christian Yelich, wasn't getting the recognition, but I think people around the nation are reluctantly now admitting that Cody is the best player in baseball right now. And it's true, you know, 430, 14 home runs, 37 RBIs, like you said, Sully. Uh, I don't remember a start like this, except maybe like Matt Kemp back in 2012 before he, all the injuries hit him. He had like 12 homers in the first month. But, you know, Cody just exceeding that, breaking all kinds of records. It's wonderful to see. It's wonderful to have him doing this in blue. Uh, and the, speaking of blue, you know, the Dodgers, tough series loss in San Francisco this week uh, on the walk-off last night uh, with Buster Posey. It's just really hate to see that but still at 20 wins they were the fastest team to reach 20 wins three weeks earlier than they reached it last year and uh, you know cruising right along they're getting their pitching back Rich Hill, especially on Sunday, you know, he didn't get a lot of help defensively behind him, but he is returned to the rotation. Sully, I know you uh, had some thoughts on his Players Tribune article. Oh, man, what an article. If you haven't read that, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a tearjerker for sure. It's uh, hard to write something like that. And Rich Hill, uh, with the help of, of the staff over there, did it just a fantastic job telling his story. Uh, but the people need to hear it. So we don't need to talk too much about that. I think it's better to just go out and read that. But Rich on the Bump. Um, it's good to have him back. And I was talking about this with a friend last night. Um, between uh, in the last five years, you know, they've added you know, Darvish to the trade deadline, Manny Machado to the trade deadline. The best two acquisitions the Dodgers have made are Hyunjin Ryu and Rich Hill. Now, Rich Hill's trade, you know, I was suspect at the time, um, giving up Cotton, giving up uh, 
one other really hard-throwing right-handed reliever. His name's escaping me right now. I was a little suspect of that, getting back Reddick and Hill. Reddick obviously moved on after that half year, but Hill has been um, one of, if not the best pitcher for the Dodgers over the last couple seasons. Always throws well in big games. Um, I just don't think we give him the appreciation that he deserves right now. We do on the uh, the love for Rich Hill as a person, but just him on the bump has been special. And uh, Ryu is thrown as good as anyone in the league right now. I mean, literally, look at the numbers. Cy Young caliber. Um, he doesn't get the credit he deserves. When healthy, both those guys is, is when healthy, but they have been absolutely dominant lefty arms for this staff. So, uh, shouts to them, and, and it's good to have them back. And so, you mentioned that we don't give Rich Hill the credit he deserves. I actually think he doesn't give himself the credit he deserves because one of my favorite parts about Rich Hill is all the F-bombs he drops after uh, walking off the inning, even if he got a scoreless inning, even if he didn't like how the ball was hit, if he didn't like how a ball was placed in the strike zone, he'll yell and scream at the top of his lungs, maybe even like slam something down in the dugout. And that's the fire you love to see. That's the fire that I think has kept him in the league this long, even though he's, I think, 39. He still has all those fun pitches, all those slurves, all those curves, and still can touch 90 on the fastball. So he's an effective guy. Um, but yeah, he's, he's got that, uh, that from my stories, my collection, I called that, that Paul O'Neill attitude. Paul O'Neill, the former Yankees outfielder and from other other teams. He was famous one time for, for hitting a home run, coming back in the dugout, just being pissed off, saying that he missed that pitch. And I think Rich Hill has that same attitude where it's like, you know, that good take it back to the game where he took with the no hitter to the 10th inning and then he gave a walk off home run. That was a failure for him despite shoving for nine and a half innings. You know, it's it's things like that. You love that mentality. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, Jesse, um, it seems like the A.J. Pollock long term injury is right on schedule. An injured guy happens a lot and uh, it's happened again here. Yeah, it's a little tough. But I think one of the good things about the fact that, you know, we've talked about it for the past, you know, however many seasons the outfield depth that the Dodgers have you know that's it's unfortunate you don't want to see that injury happen obviously but they have depth in the outfield there's guys there that can come in fill in maybe not to the extent that we wanted the numbers from Pollock you know I don't see uh, someone else putting up those kind of numbers of what we were hoping and maybe expecting but the outfield's going to produce either way because we got dudes there so I think it's one of those things where it's you know throw them on the IL let him get 100% right, and then, you know, hopefully we see him again and, you know, sooner rather than later, obviously. Yeah, good use of IL right there. you got to remember that it's new this year. Um, and it's a weird deal. You know, I think this this uh, infection in his right elbow is from one of his previous surgeries. Like, they're removing the screw from his arm, and it was, like, in his bursa sac. So, I don't know. I feel bad for him in this one. Like, he almost was out of his control and you know he i think he's proven that he's just a solid we through his career he's proven he's a solid player but he's could have been big for the dodgers and hopefully he's back soon hopefully it's something that's not as major as, as it, it, may, it may be um but they're calling it exploratory surgery so uh, you know this is kind of the risk you knew you were taking with him but hopefully it just kind of works out from there anything else you guys want to add about the dodgers so far you know i think we just want to see them continue this pace they're on yeah, happy to see Justin Turner finally get that first bomb under his belt. Uh, he got it before the calendar turned to May, so that was good to see. I know we had mentioned him a little bit on the last podcast, but hopefully he can just kind of build off that, keep it rolling here as the Dodgers head to San Diego, which I think will be a fun little series. You know, the Padres, as Jesse always says, those April division champions, uh, it'll give, give the Dodgers a little challenge in the division, uh, the team that's on their tail. Um, hopefully they can go down and do what they usually do and uh, handle the Padres. Well, actually, you know, I should, I should take that back. They sometimes struggle in San Diego, but what I mean in general is they usually beat the Padres when it matters, so I think they can do that here. 
Yes, and from there, let's quickly just touch on Tim Anderson. Nick has a quote he put in here. I feel, I kind of feel like today's Jackie Robinson. Um, would you guys disagree or agree with that? That's a tough name to put in, you know, anybody's mouth. So I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, like I, I get, I get the point he was making, and I really like Tim Anderson. I think the fire that he has, you know, we we just talked about Rich Hill and how we love his fire and passion. I feel like Tim Anderson has that as well, and and, he, and he's talked about. It. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to change. Like the suspension, whatever happened. He's like, I'm not changing who I am for that. You know, um, but but th- that I mean, especially for Dodger fans too. Like it's tough for us to you know kind of say anything. I mean, I, again, I get the point, but you, sometimes you got to take a couple steps back. Yeah, I also I get the point he's trying to make. You know, I applaud him for standing up for himself. You know, he is one of the few African American players left in a, in a dwindling pool in Major League Baseball. Um, so I like that he kind of what he represents in that sense. But um, he was talking about the suspension with the Royals brawl and how he called uh, the Royals pitcher the N word, and he didn't like how he was suspended for that because he was suspended by Joe Torre, and he was mentioning how you know the upper reach, the, up, the upper section of MLB executive branches are all kind of old white dudes, and he doesn't think that uh, he should be suspended for a word that they would never hear. So um, it's 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 a tough situation, um, but if he's if you're going to compare yourself to Jackie Robinson, I also don't think Jackie Robinson would ever call somebody else the N-word. So it's, it's, it's kind of like a, an interesting conversation. I'm not sure how much I can really say about it, but uh, I, I do hear what he's trying to say. I just don't think he kind of executed it the right way. Uh, I don't, you know, like, it, yeah, I don't have like a problem with it. Obviously, it's, it, I do kind of agree in the sense that he's doing a lot this season to change the idea of baseball. It's so public what he did with, uh, you know, the competition with Keller. Um, I, you know, I, I, it's it's needed. It's a needed change. You know, if the kids are gonna they're gonna let the kids play, they gotta let the kids play, and they gotta embrace all the guys in the league, no matter who it is. Um, and that's always just been an issue in baseball. It continues to this day, you know. And, and it's unfortunate. It's my least favorite part of the game, I think, sometimes. And um, I, I'm glad he's continued to bring that swagger to the ballpark every single day because I love that. And, um, speaking of guy comes up with swagger, how about Vladdy Jr. Old Town Road guys that debut. Coming up to the fire, Lil Nas X track. Uh, thoughts on him so far? Because I'd love to see him in the league. Yeah, no, that was perfect. You know, you know, we were talking about how much we loved seeing him and we wanted to see him up. And then, um, you know, to come out to Old Town Road, uh, that's just a beautiful thing. And, and exactly, you know, the, the hype is there. And, you know, it's still early. I'm excited to see what he can do. But, you know, the, the walk-up song was the perfect match. Um, he doesn't need to keep it for too much longer. I feel like Old Town Road is starting to dwindle a little bit but we still have yet to hear that young thug remix so who knows what that can do for it the diplo remix didn't do too much for it but let's see what thug can do on it um but yeah i i I love to see vlad jr yeah i think we all love to see vlad jr i would love to see his first major league home run which unfortunately hasn't happened yet i'm assuming we won't have to wait too much longer he was actually down here in southern california playing the angels and his dad vlad senior actually decided to stay away from his old stopping grounds because he doesn't want to steal his son's shine is kind of what he said there. So, uh, you know, I think the Angels fans would have liked to see him there, but at the same time, I don't really care what the Angels fans want, so it doesn't matter to me. I'm happy Vlad's here, and I'm hoping to see that first home run. Episode 99 of Cautiously Optimistic is also brought to you by Challenger Hair Care. You know all about Challenger. We've been talking about them for quite some time. I have some Challenger hair care in my hair right now. I have the Challenger Matte Cream Pomade in my hair, but they have a new product out, and it's something I just ordered myself. I'm talking about the Challenger Clean. 
Yeah, Nick, the Challenger Clean Cream Pomade has all the same great benefits as their other hairstyling products, which you have in your hair right now. That reliable hold that I'm staring at, the water-based formula, I can see the moisture in your hair, and that easy to apply consistently. It's just effortless. I'm looking at it right now. When I look at Nick's hair, I'm also like, wow, it's also non-comedogenic, the Challenger, meaning it's designed to not block your pores. Perfect for those with sensitive skin like Nick, acne, those sensitive to fragrance like Nick, or those who sweat a lot like Nick. This unscented pomade will keep you styling and clean every time you use it. And now it's time for the fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. Swine, what you got for us on 99? Man, you know, it's been light in uh, in fast food, but, you know, I have some great news to announce, and that's that the McDonald's 2 for 5 mix and match is back. Uh, you know, I was going over to McDonald's to do the 2 for 3 McDoubles and McChickens, and, you know, I look over and I see, oh, what's that? The 2 for 5 is back. And the beautiful thing about it is, like, there, you know, you have your uh, quarter pounder, fish filet, 10 nuggets, and I'm forgetting what the fourth thing you can do is, um, but the beautiful thing, like, they have... The, the four piece or the six piece is two bucks or you could just get um, a 10 piece or maybe a four piece. I'm, I'm out here. I'm tired. I don't know exactly what it is, but there's a, there's one on the on the one, two, three menu. But now you can just mix and match. It's like two fifty for ten nuggets. That's a beautiful deal. Get a quarter pounder with the ten nuggets. That was what I do. That's another classic play because we have a lot of thoughts about the fish fillet around the nation. I'm anti fish fillet, but that's just to be said here. Um, so go ahead. Go to McDonald's. Get yourself a little two for five mix and match. But Sully. I'm hearing something that you're, you're seeing over there in Kansas that, you know, I haven't seen. We're not really close to a Sonic, but I want you to tell me more about this. Yeah, this is interesting. I don't know how I feel about this play yet. We got new Red Bull slushes. They're here. You can refresh with an icy Red Bull slush or a chi- cherry limeade Red Bull slush. I'd probably go cherry limeade because I mess with those. I don't know how I feel about that. As you said, Jesse, I think it's pretty aggressive. Yeah, the, I do love cherry limeades. The limeades at Sonic are untouchable, but... Um, and I bet it works well, like the flavor of the Red Bull with the limeade slushy or whatever it is. But I, I, you know, I don't go get a limeade to, you know, really just go ahead and get wired. You know, I'm more just for a nice, refreshing summer, cool breeze kind of day. Um, so I don't know how I feel about it either. It'd be something that I'd have to try. I might have to make like the 20 minute trek to my nearest Sonic just to try it out for you guys. But, uh, it's a that's an interesting play, the Red Bull in the slushy. You know, I don't mind this. This is very interesting to hear, but I usually rock with whatever Sonic puts out there. I'm a big fan of Sonic, and so I don't really have any issues with this. You know, if people aren't really feeling coffee, they aren't really feeling caffeine in a soda, and they want to get that you know quick energy boost, this is, seems like a perfect solution. So go ahead and uh, get that at Sonic. I didn't have yet to try it, but it sounds appetizing. It sounds energizing, and uh, I'm happy about it. I don't know if I've ever heard the word appetizing used for a drink, but you know, here we are. Yeah, that is what it is. I, I'd give it a whirl maybe, but I don't know. It's probably pretty sugary and crazy out there. So. It, it, it would give you a whirl, well, I think. Just... Yeah, Nick, Nick with the tough the tough. What's wrong right here? <laughs> Well, I think he's got so many issues. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's uh, fast food flavor. Fast food flavor, as we talk over each other. Fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. Fast flavor food. Food in the flavor. Fast food flavor. And now, for the penultimate time, we come to the close of this podcast. Unfortunately, it's time for super hot, interesting takes. 
as well as a couple shout-outs. Guys, I don't know who wants to start it. Maybe we'll start with uh, Lil Take, a.k.a. Nick. What do you got for us? I appreciate the nickname. This is quite a small take, so the name fits nicely. Uh, something we were talking about off-air briefly, but the new Twitter, guys, uh, new desktop Twitter. For me, not really a fan. You know, one of the things that I don't like about it that much is tweets, at least that I've noticed, don't automatically load if you've left the Twitter tab open for a while. Something that I use at work a lot is Twitter, like NBA Twitter, uh, the actual NBA.com um, account like refreshes during games and more highlights come through. I've noticed that the new Twitter does not allow the refresh feature to work. So I just don't like this. I don't like the new Twitter. I don't like when they change stuff that I like. Uh, you know, I probably will get used to it later, but right now, in the early days of this, I'm not a fan. Do you guys have any thoughts about the new Twitter? Well, yes, I'm, I'm, I have some thoughts about your thoughts about the new Twitter because I'm a little confused because we were talking about this. Sully has the new new Twitter on desktop, yep. and I believe you said you didn't have it, Nick, right? Well, so I have this, the... Sully has a new new new. I have the new new. So we're talking about the new new Twitter, not the new 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 Twitter. Yeah, Sully's one level above us, but <coughs> we're, I have the new level, like... A month ago, I didn't have this. I have something new now, and I guess Sully has something different, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I'm just, I was just confused, because I guess yeah. it's not new anymore, our version, because I have the same version. And I agree with you, I don't, I don't love it either. So I'm kind of, I'll probably just update to the one that Sully has, because Sully was saying he likes his, but, you know, we haven't got to that level yet. Maybe because we don't have it. We probably just don't have the check mark. That's probably what it is. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Sorry, guys. Damn. Um... I do have, before we get into Jesse there, I do have a small shout-out that also involves Jesse because he tweeted about this. Uh, May 1st, obviously the day that swine is born, uh, should be a national holiday, but also the day that SpongeBob SquarePants premiered. So shouts to SpongeBob. I clearly remember staying up after, I believe it was the uh, Nickelodeon Awards, was the, the debut of SpongeBob after. Archie had gone to sleep. I was posted up downstairs by myself watching that first episode of SpongeBob. The rest is history, man. I've been an addict ever since. So, shout out to SpongeBob one time. One of the greatest shows of all time. Yeah, shout out to SpongeBob. This was the first year I tweeted about it, like you said. This is the first year that I realized that it premiered on my birthday, which is a big shout out. And it just all makes sense because, you know, the only great things happen on May 1st, me being bored, SpongeBob uh, premiering. And a quick little shout out, I tweeted about this as well. Jessica Smetana, she's the Wilder Project Sports Illustrated, one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter. Uh, it was her birthday on May 1st, too. So shout out, shout out to her. I also have one more SpongeBob-related news item. Are you guys familiar with the shoe designer Kickstarter Domus? Yes. 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 So uh, there was a little uh, video clip I saw recently that he actually designed SpongeBob shoes for Gary Harris of the Nuggets because Gary, of course, is the snail, the, snail. Uh, the friend of SpongeBob. So Gary Harris has these pretty interesting-looking SpongeBob underwater aqua-themed shoes that uh, I think he was wearing throughout the season. I'm not sure. The, the video I saw was from before the season, but uh, when you mentioned Spongebob, that's the first thing that popped into my mind, other than the fact that Jesse was sh- definitely on that train when it first started way back in the day. So uh, as you said, Jesse, it all makes sense that it happens on your birthday. Yeah, big Spongebob guy over here, but I guess I'll, I'll uh, just slowly roll into my uh, my little take here. And, you know, first of all, I'm going to say it's Game of Thrones related. Uh, I watched my second episode of Game of Thrones on episode three. It was my second episode. Um, so with that prefaced, I don't know if this is a hot take or not because I don't know much about the show in general. 
I enjoyed episode three. It was fun. And again, I don't think there's any spoilers in this. Who knows? If you're running away from spoilers, you probably haven't been running away too well because it's been everywhere. Um, But uh, if you're worried about a spoiler, probably just don't listen to this part, even though I don't think there are any, like I said. But my take, and I'm just going to call it take because I don't know if it's hot, like I said, I really don't like Bran. I don't like that guy. He's, he's really like cocky and then like and and he, he can't move you know I'm you know the, I, I get it like you know he, he probably doesn't have the use of it it's not like it's his choice to be in a wheelchair but my guy like he's over here doing all this stuff and you know we're in the middle of a battle and then he's just like you know what I'm gonna go be a, a, a bird for a second like yo <laughs> you got dudes fighting to the death trying to protect you because you can't move your fault anyway. Although again, I don't know if it's his fault or not that he can't move. So um, I'll, but like I'll he's just, 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 not his fault. Okay, he's pushed out of a window by Jamie Lannister when he saw Jamie and his sister getting it on in season one. I believe it's his first or second episode. Wow. Yeah. I mean, um, a I don't even know who Jamie Lannister is, but yeah, Jamie Lannister's blonde dude who uh, came from the Lannisters to fight in that epic battle there. Gotcha. Um, I don't know if that helps you at all. But not really. Yeah, Bran is not. People are conflicted about Bran. I don't think that's a hot take, but you're certainly picking a side there, and we appreciate that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan. I just like, you know, like either, either you know, do something. It feels like he has some powers. So I'm like, yo, use, use your powers because it doesn't feel like he's using them. He's just sitting there. He can see anything going on at a current time or anything in the past. Can't see into the future. You know, he's a three-eyed raven, gang, gang. Um, but... Yeah, I, I thought he was going to do something special. The Night King was standing over him, uh, about to slay him, and Ari had to come in and, and give him that 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 stick talk with the uh, with the sharp poke to the chest that ended the, the battle there. So, um, yeah, uh, well, there you go, guys. Episode ninety nine in the books, the penultimate episode. Uh, what a ride it's been. We got one more to go, and a little good news for you. I'm coming home this weekend, so this episode, the finale, it's going to be live. Uh, it's going to be unfiltered. It's going to be probably a pretty long episode. Gonna be a fun one. Gonna have to, maybe a special guest or two. Uh, we got some good stuff planned for you, so stay tuned for that, uh, guys. Anything else you want to add about episode ninety nine? Yeah. Shout out to all the times you said penultimate. That's my uh, my last thing. Three Pete and Jesse just ruined my joke because I was about to say penultimate and mentioned how when Sully said it last time that was the penultimate time that he said penultimate, but then that all got ruined when uh, Jesse said it. So you're welcome. As he as he tends to do, he uh, you know. Messes, messes me up on the fly. I think uh, this is one of his biggest goals that you probably have heard throughout Cautiously Optimistic, but that's fine with me. We are extremely excited for Sully to return to the best coast, Southern California, Silver Lake Studio. It's all going to happen at episode 100. It's working out perfectly. The timing could not be better, so please tune in for that. In the meantime, our mailbag is going to be remaining open, so uh, send in those questions. We will answer them live on the air in episode 100. And yeah, we are just very excited. So follow us on Twitter at CautiouslyPod, Instagram, CautiouslyPod, Facebook, we're there too, and other places as well. But I will continue to not watch Game of Thrones and let uh, the spoilers go in front of my face without a worry or a care in the world. And uh, yeah, guys, episode 100, I'm very excited. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. I got the rap patrol on the cat patrol. Foes that want to make sure my cask is closed. Rap critics says money cash holes. I'm from the hood, stupid. What type of facts are those? If you grew up with holes in your zap toes, you celebrate the minute you was having dope. I'm like, fuck critics, you can 
kiss my whole asshole. If you don't like my lyrics, you can press fast forward. Got beef with radio, if I don't play they show. They don't play my hits, well, I don't give a shit. So, Rap Max trying to use my black ass so advertisers could give them more cash for ads, fuckers. I don't know what you take me as or understand the intelligence that Jay-Z has. I'm from rags, the richest niggas, I ain't dumb. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. Hit me.